It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Janice Dean. I'm David Asman. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. It's a major meeting in Spain this week as leaders from NATO member nations have gotten together to try and figure out what to do about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Or maybe it's better put, what can they do about it? Looks like the United States is chipping in and moving more troops to Europe. What we're building back to is something that's incredibly more modest than what we had during the Cold War, but yet it's probably a sufficient enough deterrent that Putin would never try anything like he tried in the Ukraine in uh, a NATO country. This is the Fox News Rundown, War on Ukraine. Hey folks, it's your man Keyshawn Johnson here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors often running small businesses right in your community. Plus. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has repeatedly asked for more weapons to fight Russia, has warned against Russia's stealing grain exports, ruining fertilizer production, and threatening other countries on their border. Has this war gone in Russia's favor, though? You know, one of the things that we've, we've learned in this war in Ukraine is everybody talks about cyber warfare and moderate and all this stuff. And in the end of the day, it comes down to fighting and holding ground in the old-fashioned way. We're speaking today with an expert on national security and foreign policy, Mr. James Carfano with the Heritage Foundation, a policy think tank based in Washington, D.C. Not much different from World War I and World War II. So the Russians have always had an enormous amount of artillery. And what you can use artillery for is not just to blow stuff up, but to really open space to then advance your forces. Um, modern forces advancing on a battlefield, even tanks, uh, they're pretty vulnerable. I mean, we take tanks out with javelins, we shoot down helicopters with stingers, um, you know, troops are vulnerable to, to small arms fire. And, and what you'd really like to do is either suppress, which means the enemy can't have to duck, or just blow them up so they're, they're not in your way. Or what the, the, the Russians are also doing, which is using artillery and missiles to literally kill innocent civilians and try to wear down the, the uh, morale of, and the resistance of the population. So how do you stop that? Well, the, the, the best way to take out a bullet is with a bullet. 
Um, artillery, I mean, missile, uh, missile launchers like HIMARS, which is the high mobility rocket system, or MLRS, which is a mobile rocket system, or even mobile artillery that has GPS are, are really good for this because you can do what's called shoot and scoot, which means if you find a target, you shoot at it and blow it up. And, and even if you, by the time they shoot back, because you can track the trajectory of an artillery or a missile through radar or even, even sound systems or even visually, but if the target's not there when you shoot back, then, then you just hit dirt. So the, these rocket systems are, are probably the most uh, effective thing that, that Zelensky to have to take away the, the significant advantage that the Russians have in the fighting on the ground. Right, because the Russians have been using these long-range artillery to target, as you mentioned, civilian areas. And the way that the Ukrainian military has been effective is by getting close to these units to try and take them out. But if you don't have to get as close and you can take them out, that may be an advantage. Let's talk about the NATO summit going on in Madrid. President Biden obviously there. And it was a bit of a surprise announcement when he said there's going to be a major boost of American military presence in Europe, specifically in Poland. Can you talk a little bit about what the president's announcement was and how you feel about more American troops and maybe even a permanent base in Poland so close to that fighting in Ukraine? Well, first of all, there's more continuity than change here because much of what the president announced is actually consistent with the kind of things that that President Trump talked about. Trump talked about moving wings around so he had a stronger air presence. He also talked about moving command posts more forward to to where the actual threat is, also more forces. Um, why that's important is I think people have to realize is we have nothing like the force structure that we had in Europe to deter Russia and the Soviet Union during the Cold War. When, when I was in the military, I, I was in the military for, for 25 years. When Obama was in office, when, when the, when the um, Russians invaded uh, Ukraine the first time, we had no, we didn't have one operational tank in Western Europe. The only American tanks in Europe were on pedestals. So we're, and what we're building back to is something that's incredibly more modest um, than what we had during the Cold War, but yet it's probably a sufficient enough deterrent to, to that Putin would never try anything like he tried in the Ukraine in uh, a NATO country. Remember, the reason why Putin invaded the Ukraine was he didn't believe the Ukrainians can defend themselves, and he didn't believe anybody would come to their aid fast enough to make a difference. So the difference between moving to a, a tripwire defense was just you would invade a NATO country. You know, we promised someday we might fight back. And basically, if you cross the line, everything you do is going to die. That's that's a very, very significant conditional deterrent. And knowing how dangerous uh, Putin is and knowing that he will likely rebuild his military and threaten again, it seems like a a, a pretty good investment. I would never use the word permanent. Because we actually don't have permanent forces in Europe. We, even during the Cold War, we moved things around. Of course, after the Cold War, we moved a lot of stuff out. So I would call it sustained, but it's there for a purpose. It's just not, not there to be there. And, and I also would say, you know, and we've run the numbers on this for decades, it's actually cheaper to move a unit to a place and leave the people and the equipment there and then just rotate people back individually than it is to rotate, you know, rotationally send things to the front. So it's actually the most efficient use of the military that we have. The other thing is, is uh, we're not adding, actually adding, we're just moving around. So, so it's not really costing more. And the other thing is, is let th- there, are, those are forces that can actually be deployed to other places as well, if need be. So 
I don't really see a big deal here. I don't actually think Biden did very much. He just kind of followed through on Trump's plans. Um, but but that said, I think it's it's probably a, a smart move. And the other thing that's really made a big difference is it's not just us. And this is the big difference that Trump started. You know, Trump made this big thing about everybody playing their fair share and other countries have been pulling up and and other countries are going to do a lot more and bringing their capability forward. So in, in balance, what we're doing is actually making other people pony up their fair share by showing we're, we're ponying up ours. We're speaking today with James Carafano, who is with the Heritage Foundation. You just heard him talk also about his military experience, so he knows what he's talking about here. James, I want to switch the conversation from what's going on to militarily to more of a geopolitical look with a couple of big issues here as grain has kind of come to the forefront. Ukraine is a major exporter of grain, as you know, and there are credible reports that Russia is blocking or stealing grain exports coming from Ukraine. This affects not just Ukraine and Russia, but countries all over the world that buy grain from Ukraine, and there's a big question here could there be food insecurity for nations everywhere this is something that nato did talk about during this summit in madrid can you just let us know what you're hearing about this and maybe what the united states could do about it or other western powers yeah it's a lot more complicated than just the russians blocking that it's also an energy problem because a a lot of the food shortages are, are driven by the more difficulty in getting fertilizer and one of the things you need to make fertilizer is natural gas so again by by the the Biden administration really, you know, trying to kill our oil and gas industry, they they significantly contributed to this food crisis because gas is getting more scarce and you need it for fertilizer. The other thing is, is we're seeing a lot of major producers, um, Argentina, for example, India and some others, they're they're hoarding grain, which is, you know, in, in, in Argentina, for example, um, they should be a great exporter, but they're actually hoarding grain and giving it to their own people because inflation is so high uh, and the, the, they're just giving people cheap food instead. And so other people are taking grain off off the market. So it's bigger than just um, the Russian thing. But the the question is, is how do you get Ukrainian grain out of Russia? And the big issue is, I mean, everybody pick a calendar. In the fall, Ukraine is going to harvest their grain. If if they can't move that grain to market, that's a problem. Um, And it has to go by sea. They're never going to be able to figure out land ways to really do this very efficiently. Yeah, it's Um, tough to do that because you've got a war going on, right? Right. The argument is really simple. Um, the reason why you can't export it is there's surface ships, there's submarines, and there's mines. So if you give the Ukrainians uh, missiles to shoot at the surface ships, things to track down the submarines, and way to clear the minefield, the Ukrainians can clear their waters and export. That's probably the right answer. Problem is, is you know, again, like in many things in this administration, they're so they were so reluctant to give aid because they were afraid Putin might get angry. But I, I, which I don't understand because the guy's already invading a country. If we just given the Ukrainians this stuff right off the bat, we wouldn't have a problem today. And every day we wait and not giving them the resources they need is another day that, that we're causing problems for ourselves. We've got an expert on the line today, one with military experience as well. We're speaking with national security and foreign policy expert James Carafano about some of the big picture issues pertaining to this war in Ukraine. Right back into it after this. Uh, There's a little bit of uh, drama going on with Sweden and Finland getting into NATO. Turkey was standing in their way. There's negotiations going on. And now it seems like NATO is signaling that these countries may be admitted. Finland's obviously on the border with Russia. What does this mean for the NATO alliance going forward? Are they stronger or more vulnerable to Russian attack? Oh, yeah, they're infinitely stronger. And for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, Finland and Sweden really take their defense seriously. They're going to bring a lot of additional capability to NATO. And if you just look at a map, 
you really could never defend the northern flank without Norway, Finland, and Sweden. So it were actually much, much more secure. And, and, you know, they say, well, what's in it for the U.S.? Well, we actually got get a much more viable collective security partner in Europe because we have a stronger northern flank with, with really important countries in it. So it actually makes our investment in NATO way more valuable. The, look, you know, who knows how this ends, but look, what's, what's Putin accomplished? He's got Finland and Sweden uh, or Swindland. In, in NATO, um, Ukraine and Moldova are both candidates to join the European Union. Um, he's teed off the Chinese because the Chinese wanted the Russians to win quickly and they didn't. And it's embarrassed the Chinese and China's actually less popular in, in Europe. NATO countries are contributing more to self-defense, not just the United States, but everybody is moving more stuff forward. So um, all of this wouldn't have happened. Uh, and, and countries are getting themselves off Russian energy. None of this would have happened if Putin had invaded Ukraine. The big mistake, maybe it'll be called that in history, but from what you're describing, maybe. kind of seems like it right now. James Garfano with the Heritage Foundation, policy think tank based in Washington, national security expert and foreign policy expert as well. This guy knows his stuff. And just listening to you, I can tell that. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks for joining us here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. Thanks for having me. It's, it, I love the podcast. and I love what you guys do. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.